How are we doing this morning? We doing well? So you, you know it's going to be good when I'm already sweating, so it's going <laughs> to... It doesn't take much, it really doesn't, but don't worry, all of that will just fall off when I climb in the water in just a short bit of time and I go and start baptizing people. Do you know that my wife insulted me this week? She said to me, it's an insult, okay? She said to me, maybe you should wear a wetsuit. I heard that, and I'm like, what kind of man do you think you married here? A wetsuit into Lake Michigan? I'm not a sissy. I'm going in there, and it doesn't matter. I mean, come on. I was so offended, I said to my wife, I'd rather die than wear a wetsuit, okay? Is that male pride? Is that male pride? Should I confess that? Yeah. <laughs> Repent of it, yeah. Uh, we doing well this morning? We doing well? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? We celebrated that last week over Pentecost Sunday, and we just celebrated that right, and welcomed in the Holy Spirit, not only into our church, but encouraged it into our home and into our families. So, it's the Holy Spirit that brings spiritual life. If we're going to experience the fruit of the Spirit, if we're going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, right, and the, and the power of God, we need more and more of the Spirit. And this morning, we're stepping into a new message series, but I, I want us to walk from one series on the Holy Spirit right into this one, because the two are related. I want to talk quickly about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. One of the key ministries of the Holy Spirit is that he teaches us truth and reveals God to us. So if you, if you want to know God, you need the Holy Spirit taking his word that he wrote, illuminating and revealing to you, this is who God is, and this is our relation to him, how we relate to this God. And so Jesus talked about this. He said, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you, you catch that, teach you all things and remind you of everything that I said to you. So, so we're getting into a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to spend the next several weeks just reading the words of Jesus Christ. So we need the Holy Spirit to enable us to understand it and reveal it to us. But he also says this. Jesus says this about the Spirit. He says that when he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong, to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. See, here's what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals who God is in his, his perfection, in his righteousness, and then he shows us that we fall short of that. We miss the mark of God's perfection, and that means we, if those who are apart from Christ, face judgment. That's not the job of the Holy Spirit. So the other part of reading the Sermon on the Mount and reading what we're going to be reading is that it's going to be very, very challenging. It's, it's going to do some things. It's going to reshape the way we think. It's going to cause us to become kingdom-minded and approach the world from, from a viewpoint, from how Christ would want this world to look. And now let me ask you, does our world embody the words of Jesus? Is our world going in the right direction? No. So like, Holy Spirit, come and convict us. Cause this world to fall on its knees before God and really repent, right? Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. So, kingdom-minded. How do we approach 
the words of Christ, how do we approach Christ, what does Christ want from us as we live within his kingdom, okay? So it's found in the book of Matthew, so if you have a Bible, why don't you take it out or turn on your device and turn there. I'm actually going to ask for some help from one of our technically friend, friendly people. So if you have, where is Daniel? Where's my man? Daniel, are you outside? I need someone to help me with my iPad. I ran this thing so low, it will not, it keeps locking on me. What, what? Yeah. He said I dismissed the fourth grade. They would be the ones who would help me. Can you make sure this doesn't lock on me anymore or fall asleep? Thank you. It's embarrassing. I get it. I, I get teased all the time about this because I'm so technologically handicapped. I don't understand why I, I act like I'm a seven-year-old man when someone gives me a smartphone. I just can't figure the thing out. It's a guy, yeah, okay. So, the Gospel of Matthew, you're turning there. The Gospel of Matthew is, if you're, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's the, the actions and sayings of Jesus Christ written from the perspective of Matthew. So, Matthew compiled the writings, the, the sayings, the writings of Jesus, and the actions of Jesus Christ and put it together in a gospel. So now every gospel, it's really that easy? Okay. <laughs> so, you're, you're wondering things about me. The guy's going to freeze himself to death in a, in a lake, can't handle a simple unlocking his home screen. What's wrong with this guy? Old soul, I guess. Old soul. Okay. So the the, the flavor or the theme or the direction of Matthew that the Sermon on the Mount is found in is that Jesus is the Messiah, he is the Christ, he is the King of the Jews, and that Jesus is on his throne. He's establishing his kingdom and he's reigning and ruling from his throne. So Jesus is on his throne, but what we're going to see as we read the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone lives kingdom-minded. So we as the church, as the church age, we're post-crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost. We as the church are enjoying Jesus reigning on his throne. He's reigning over the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So is Jesus in charge? That's why when you're facing demonic forces, you don't use the name of Nate to fight against those forces, Right? Nothing's going to happen. You, use, you don't use your name. You use the name of Jesus Christ because the name of Jesus is what really drives spiritual forces of evil to, you know, to their knees and will cast them out. You want deliverance? Use the name of Jesus Christ. He is the one name that has authority over the heavens and the earth. But not everyone lives in God's kingdom according to Jesus' way of life. So even though he's on his throne reigning over everything, all kingdoms, all powers, all authorities, whether on the earth or in the heavens, not everyone lives as he would want us to live. And he talks about this. He says, for the hearts of these people are hardened. Their ears cannot hear and their eyes have closed so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. They cannot turn to me 
and let me heal them. They don't have the eyes to see and the, and the ears to hear the message of Christ, which really is the greatest gift that was given to me when I was a 17-year-old boy living wild, living for the world, and I heard the gospel, and God just opened my mind to the truth of Christ. I, I remember the days, December 6, 1995, I'll never forget it, it's my spiritual birthday. So when, when God entered into my life in such a powerful and dynamic way, and he revealed truth, and the light bulb, you know, in my head, don't worry about the wattage, popped up there, right? And I was like, wow, this is true, this is what I need, this is the purpose that I'm looking for. My life is so bankrupt and empty. Jesus is king, King Jesus. He's on his throne, he reigns, and this world is his. My life completely changed, forever. That point onward, I was completely spiritually ruined, wrecked for God, and I've been hungering after him ever since. Not perfectly, right? Eyes to see, ears to hear. And that's really my fear for the, king, for the kingdom, for uh, the church. Not necessarily this church, but the church in general, the church at large. Do we really understand the words of Jesus? Do we understand what Jesus wants from us? Do we live by those words? Are they important to us? Because the world is so insidious and it, it, it will creep in and, and change what we value, what we care about, to the point where all of a sudden we're so far away from where God wants us. You, you ever end up over there? Where you're like, wow, I, I belong over here. This is what Christ wants. This is his kingdom. This is, this is how I ought to be thinking. But, but I'm way over there. I've walked and strayed so far away. And so I'm hoping that as we study out the Sermon on the Mount, it will help realign us as followers of Jesus Christ, but maybe even have a bigger impact for the kingdom. Amen? That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. As we wrestle with the words of Jesus Christ, and we're going to wrestle. We're going to struggle. Because if you read the Sermon on the Mount honestly, if you read it with really, truly reflecting on every command, it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be hard for all of us. It was hard for the people then. At the, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, when, when the whole message was given, the people's response was that they were amazed. Now, we hear the word amazed, and it's kind of lost its severity because we use it very casually, like that ice cream cone was amazing, right? Well, that movie was amazing, right? And so it's very kind of loose and light, but... What happened to them as they were hearing the words of Jesus and they were really thinking through what Christ was asking of them is that they were astonished. Actually, the Greek word means they were out of their minds. So I was like, whoa, 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 He's, he wants this? Th this is what I have to do? I mean, he wants me to live like that? No one's saying this. No one's talking like this. This isn't like the teachers of the law. This is not like the, the religious leaders and what they say. This is completely different. There's so much more authority. I don't know if I can do it. He was doing the synagogue. And the rabbi or the person in charge would sit at that seat and then teach the law. And teach the Torah. 
So when Jesus sits down, he's really saying, okay, I've got something to say to you. And you must listen to my teaching. Okay, he goes up on a mountain. Why is that so important? That he's up on a mountain. When is the last time God spoke to his people from a mountain? When's the last time that God spoke to his people from a mountain? Mount Sinai, right? And, and, and you know the story because you either watched it in a movie or you read it in the Bible. The people of Israel are, are brought out, the Jewish people are brought out of Egypt. They divide that Red Sea, which is incredible. Wouldn't you love to relive some things in the Bible? That's the one. I, I love Lake Michigan. I can't wait to baptize people in it. It's the best. I would love to see Lake Michigan go whoop. It'd <laughs> be phenomenal. It's like, highlight real God, like, bring me back and let me see that. So he leads them through the water, cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, to Mount Sinai. And when they get to that mountain, he tells them to consecrate themselves, purify themselves, because he's going to give them something really, really big. It's a big deal. Exodus 19. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, give these what? Catching it? Instructions, teachings, commands, the law. Give it to the family of Jacob, announce it to the descendants of Israel. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians. You saw how I beat up Pharaoh. His might was nothing compared to my power and my wonders. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Isn't that the, the beauty and the love and care of God? Now, if you obey me and keep my what? Covenants. You will be my own special treasure from among all the people on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, but I have a special people. It's you. And you'll be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And this is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Do you see the similarities between what's happening back at Mount Sinai and what's now happening through the person of Jesus Christ. And then you get Exodus 20, where God gave the people these instructions. Then you get the Ten Commandments, which are the first ten law, right? And then you get another 603 commands that make 613 commands. That is the Torah. And so what is given on Mount Sinai to Moses is the law. What Jesus gives on the mount is the retelling of the law. He's not undoing doing the Torah. He's not undoing the commands of God. Because you just have to remember, the same God that spoke from Mount Sinai is the same God who's speaking as we read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Same God consistently revealing, this is what I want for my people. Jesus talks about this in verse 17. So chapter 5, verse 17 says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. So in Christ, we're, we're hearing the retelling of the law, reapplying of the law, which really has to cause us to pause. Because we as followers of Jesus Christ, do we understand how the law works? Do we understand how to approach the law, the commands and instructions of Christ? Well, I want to talk about it this morning quickly. 
and that will help set up the passage that we're going to be reading for several weeks. So, God's law. God's law serves as the bedrock for how God's people should live. So, so this is how you ought to do life. And when you follow the Sermon on the Mount and the commands found in Christ, your life will go well for you. It will. It is God's best for you. It's, it's like a path that's laid out. If we stray off the path, we get pain and destruction. So, so God re- repeatedly reminds us, oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that we might fear them and obey all my commands. If they did, and their descendants would, they would prosper forever. Or Jeremiah 6.16 says, and this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads, look around, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you'll find rest for your souls. So if you follow the commands of Christ and you obey and follow the law, it'll be good for you. That's his love for humanity. He's trying to save us from hurting ourselves. That's why we ought to read this. I, I came across this picture Remember during the Iraqi conflict, how Saddam Hussein just filled the desert full of landmines? And so part of the challenge as the American forces were, were moving into Iraq is they had to clear all that out. Because what happens when you're just walking through a minefield? What could happen to your army? What could happen to you? And so they had to work along, clearing it out, creating pathways for the military forces to go where they needed to go. And I see just the Word of God just like that. The commands of Christ, what we're going to be reading on the Sermon on the Mount is like, this is, this is my best for you. If you stray off this path, what's going to happen? Might not happen day one, but after a while, what's going to happen? Boom. You're going to step on something. Something's going to happen. Your life will lead to destruction. It will. Okay. So, God's law is not only what's best for humanity, God's law is his perfect standard. So I need you to hear me. When we read the Sermon on the Mount, what we're seeing is the heart of God. We're seeing the heart of our Father, the perfect heart of God. As he says, this is what is right, and it's tied to his righteousness. That's why we don't want God to lower his standard. We don't want God to make a standard that, that something we can attain so that I can feel more comfortable with how I'm living. We want God at his perfection. Amen? We want to see who God really is. I, mean, I just want to know you, God. I don't want you to settle so that I can somehow follow every one of these commands perfectly. I just want to know who you are. What do you want for our world? How do you want us to live? Show me your heart. Show me your character. Show me your righteousness. Don't, don't take that down a few steps, please. I want to see it all. How about you? Do you hunger and thirst for, for God's righteousness? Do you? Don't settle, right? Don't settle. You know what? Went down to 5%, so now it's starting to lock again. Let this be a lesson to all of us. Plug in your devices. So, can you make sure that this just... Okay. I don't want to distract 
Pull, yeah, you can pull that up for me. Awesome. So he gives us the law, and it's his perfect standard. But the next thing we need to understand is that I can't accomplish the law by my own ability or strength. Okay? When, when we see the perfect commands of God, we realize that we can't match up. It's, it's almost too hard for us. We, we read and see, well, that's an easy solution. We should have done this a long time ago. So, it's me teasing. I'm teasing. What we see is that God law, God's law convicts humanity of sin. Okay? So as we read and study out the Sermon on the Mount and we see what God wants for his kingdom... It's convicting, and that's the law doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it's given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show the entire world that it's guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how what? Man, how sinful we really are. This is Paul explaining, this is how you look at the law. Here's how you look at commands. Here's how you see this, this instruction. You can't do it. And now what happens is this causes the flesh to start doing things, right? When you come face to face with the commands of Christ, the flesh starts to kind of like rise up inside of us. And we have certain responses. We try to hide or avoid. That's a flesh response. That's a shame response to the commands of Christ. We try to hide or avoid. We hear the command that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with that person in your heart. So I guess, men, don't go to the beach this summer, okay? Just like, stay home. Don't leave your house. I mean, do you hear that command? So if you have any kind of romantic attachment any fantasies over anybody other than your spouse at any point? You commit adultery with that person. Like, I, I can't do that. I mean, I'm a, that's just too much, Jesus. I can't, I can't follow that perfectly. So what do we do? Then we hide and avoid. We're like, well, I just don't want to let people in because then they'll see me for who I really am. That's a shame response. That's the flesh rising up. Or we try to rationalize or excuse. Like Jesus couldn't really have meant what he said. Like Jesus is going to say, you're going to read this. Jesus says this. If your hand causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> well, you all walking in here with two hands, I think. <laughs> are any Captain Hooks out there? I mean, we're all walking in with two hands. If, if Jesus says... If your eye causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do to that? Pluck it out. Well, he couldn't possibly have meant that, right? So then we start to rationalize or excuse what he's saying there. And we're like, well, that's too severe, Jesus. It's a little too intense. So we backpedal a little bit, and we try to find ways to rationalize and excuse what Jesus is saying. That's the flesh response. You're probably wondering, well, then how am I supposed to read that? Come back in a couple weeks, okay? <laughs> Come back in a couple weeks. All right, compare or blame. We compare and blame. We start pointing the fingers at other people. Jesus is going to talk about wealth and materialism. And he's going to say, don't worry about your clothes or don't worry about what you eat. Look at the lily of the fields. 
Look at how they are so dressed so beautifully by the hand of our God. Don't worry about it. Don't store up treasures on earth. Have your treasures in heaven. And we, we read those commands and you say, really? Really? Like, I can't spend money on myself? I can't have a little fun with my money? What are you saying, Jesus? Well, at least I don't spend money wastefully like the people around me. You got to see my neighbors. See what my neighbor's driving. He doesn't need that car. I'm not as bad as that person. Do you see how this works? Uh, that other person, look how big his boat is. My, boat, my, my boat's not as big as his boat. We start, right, comparing ourselves to other people. Or we blame other people. Jesus says, love your enemies. I can barely drive without losing my mind. And it's everyone else's fault, not mine. Like, I come to a stop sign. If you're not going to turn right on a stop sign quick enough, something's rising up inside of me. I'm telling you. Go, go, go. Go! You know, I'm like, I'm in, just instantly, it comes out so quickly. Jesus says, turn the cheek. I can't even get over some petty thing like someone's not jo- driving correctly. And according to me, okay, catching that, just a little satire in that. According to me, they're not driving correctly. I, I can't even handle it. What am I going to do when someone actually truly offends me? <laughs> Can I really love my enemies? But it's everyone else's fault, right? I'm going to point fingers at everyone else. That's the flesh response to the commands of Christ. Or we guilt and perform. Out of guilt, we try to put on that Christian face. Do you do that? You ever do that? You're not feeling it? Maybe you had a bad day, bad week, bad month, bad year. But you're like, I guess I got to keep showing up to church because that's what my spouse wants. Or that's what I ought to be doing. You show up and you're just really putting on the face. That's a flesh response to the commands of Christ. Jesus talks about this when it comes to giving, fasting, and praying. This is some of the most religious things you can do. Give to the needy, pray, and fast. And he says, don't do it so that people can see it. Right? Here's how you ought to. Or you just want to give up. You read the commands of Christ, and you're like, there's no way I can do this. It's too hard I'm not even going to try. Just toss that right out the window. How are we supposed to respond to the law? Romans chapter 7. I need you to turn there quickly. I am being mindful of our time. I just get going and I can't help it. I'm going to blame technology if we're running a little late. We're supposed to get out of here early so we can get over to that baptism. Man, I got a word I want to share. So you're just going to maybe have to bear with us for just a second more. Romans chapter 7, I want to read the words of Paul and how Paul approaches the law and how he sees the law working and operating. I need you to turn there, I need you to read with me, verse 7. He says, what shall we say then? Verse 7 of chapter 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Wait, is, is God's perfection, is God's perfect holy commands wrong in any way? No, they're perfectly righteous in every way. They're not sinful, certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Isn't that exactly how it works? 
God's pointing out that this is wrong, and then you're like, whoa, uh, mm, I guess it's wrong. I'm doing it. And that's what you're going to see in the Sermon on the Mount when you're reading it. You're like, whoa, I, I don't treat people as, like Christ would want me to treat them. I'm not living as Christ would want me to live. See, it's revealing things in our heart. Verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. So what's really going on is our flesh and our sin nature gets excited by the law and sees the law and then responds poorly. He talks about this in verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me, for in my inner being I delight in God's law. Like, like as you read the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to be like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to follow God faithfully. I want to. I want to be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. But then I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So you got that flesh, you got that sin nature that is just pulling you in all the wrong directions. So every time you see a law, you think, oh, wow, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to try hard. But then what happens when you try really hard? You seem to fail. Any pro-dieters here? You've tried every diet in the book. You've like, you know dieting. And you, you, you eat like a pig one day, and then tomorrow you're like, I'm going to try hard and really change. How's that work for you? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I've tried every diet out there, man. I tell you, it all just keeps to come back on. Why? Because of the flesh, right? Since inside of you, you just try hard. You just grip hard enough and work hard. Does it ever really, really work? No the flesh. It's going to leave you empty and broken, just like Paul when he says, "For a ret- what a wretched man am I. Can you relate? Can you relate to Paul here? Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? That's the power of the law. The law will bring you to your knees, but it doesn't leave you feeling defeated. Because then we read the next verse. It says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, before we jump into the Sermon on the Mount, we need to understand the gospel. And the gospel says that you can't do it. You can't. You cannot fulfill every one of these commands. You will fail. The flesh will bring you in the wrong direction just like we read. But this is the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. He will free you, and you can live in freedom of your failure. Man, I tell you, you could fall flat on your face. You will. It's okay, because that's really close to your knees as you're picking yourself up. You with me? And that's and from that posture, from that humility, from that place of grace, and then through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to live every one of these commands out. You hearing me? Not by your strength, not by your ability, but through the grace and mercy of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live the Sermon on the Mount. You can. You can live kingdom-minded. Don't believe any kind of thought or demonic force that says you can't. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and grace, you can live faithful to everything that's written. We've got to come with the right heart. We understand? Okay. 
In the end, we have to just draw near to God. That's the point. We have to draw near to God. That's really the goal. As you are approaching the Sermon on the Mount, you have to be so close to Christ. That's why we're going to sing this song, Abide in Christ. Why don't we have the, the worship team come up at this moment? We got to be so close to Jesus, accepting that mercy and grace and then the power of the Holy Spirit to work and activate faith in your life. It's an everyday kind of thing. It's like, it's not just a morning time with your prayer and reading the scriptures. It's an everyday, all day posture of humility, saying, I'm, I need grace to live out this and I need your Holy Spirit to empower me and I'm going to follow everything that is written in this. And so here's my challenge for this week. Okay, so this is what I'd like you to do. I want you to read the Sermon on the Mount this week as we're preparing and working through this. It's three chapters. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to ask these questions that build from the message you heard today. Where do I feel the weight of my inability to live out Jesus' command? Where do I feel it? Where do I see it? Where do I see examples of the flesh failing? How do I see God's grace and the Holy Spirit's power enabling me to live out God's commands? Okay? Because we're not supposed to be defeated Christians going around saying, well, I guess when I get to heaven it'll all work out. No, you're supposed to live out that faithfulness to God now, but it's not by your strength, but by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. You can live victoriously. You hearing me? You can live victoriously. You don't have to live according to the flesh. It all comes by abiding in Christ. I want us just to, I'm going to pray. And, and we're going to step into that song, okay? Let's pray. Father, I don't know where people's hearts are right now. I know we threw, sometimes there's a hard concept for people to really get their minds around because we're so prideful and we want to do everything from our own strength. We're so self-reliant. But really, we need grace. We need the mercy of Christ. We need to stay so close to that vine. We need to be, keep connected to the vine. And then we will see the fruit but it's, it's the sap of Jesus. It's not our own that we see and experience this. Oh, just help this humility to fall over this room and this ability to cling to the grace of Christ. Let, let grace be what gives us strength. And in that backwards way of being weak, you are strong and we can walk in the strength of Christ and not in our own ability. And I just pray for that Holy Spirit to fall. It's just powerful ways that people go, yes, and amen. I want to follow, but not by me, but by you. Please work. I pray. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. I abide in you. I abide.
dive into the words of Jesus Christ, get challenged this week, you can study that out. You all ready to get cold? Yeah, you ready? All right, we're heading down there just after this. We're going to get our, we're going to get a change. Anyone else who want to come, you just drive down Lake Harbor, Channel Road. We'll have people out at the road so you can see where you need to go. You can all join us. We can celebrate the baptism of several people, okay? It's about 16 people. It's exciting. It's an exciting thing for our church family, Okay. Hey, we have a prayer team that meets up front for your spiritual, emotional, or physical healing. Please come and let someone lay hands on you. We have prayer cards in the chair in front of you. If you have something you want, write it down. People will pray for you. And we have a prayer meeting at 6 o'clock every night when we intercede for our church family. Let's pray. Father, we know that it is by your mercy and grace can we live out the commands that Christ has given us. We don't, we don't want to see those commands lessened or lightened. We want to see your heart. We want to see your perfection. We want to see who you really are and what you want. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will cause us and bring us up. You'll enable us and allow for us to, to serve you. And just, so by grace, I pray, every person here can just wrestle with the flesh, kill the flesh, Live by grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit this week as we live out the important commands found in your scriptures. And pray that we'll be your people living kingdom-minded. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. I love you more than you know.